Hi, my name is Morris Scott, and welcome to another episode of A Father's Devotion Podcast. Uh, Today, we are exploring highlights from the book of Amos. Uh, But first, let's commit our time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this moment in time in which we open up your word, uh, which is alive and powerful and transforms our lives from day to day. Uh, We pray that you would release your grace upon us, that we may glorify you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, the book of Amos. This book is dated around 755 BC. The human author, of course, is Amos. Uh, Now, who was Amos? A shepherd. Uh, But the hand of God was certainly upon his life, and he spoke God's word. In that sense, he was a prophet. Listen, one of the indirect messages of Amos is that it doesn't matter whether you have a formal title or not. If God has divinely called you to do something, regardless of whether you are formally recognized by men, move forward and operate in that calling. In the end, God will preserve the value of your work. He did this for Amos, and God is no respecter of persons. Amos would prophesy about Damascus, Philistia, Tyre, Edom, Ammon, Moab, uh, Judah, and of course, Israel. He called Israel and Judah to repentance and exposed the injustice of their time. As we look at this book, we must also realize that in our day and time, God is still calling men and nations to repentance, lest judgment rain down upon this generation. With that, let's move right into our highlights. Uh, The first one will be uh, chapter one, verse one, and it says, the words of Amos, who was among the sheep breeders of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Uh, and so we see here, uh, verse one, naming Amos, the human author of this book, and that his occupation was a herdsman. Uh, listen, in whatever occupation you find yourself Have an open heart to be used by God to speak to those in your sphere of influence. In the rest of the chapter, we see prophecy concerning Damascus, Philistia, Tyre, and Ammon. We see that every people in every country is subject to the judgment of God. Nations rise and nations fall, but they all will be judged by God for sin. Psalm 9 verse 17. Uh, Let's move to our next highlight, chapter two. We're going to read verses four through six. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments. Their lies lead them astray, lies which their fathers followed. But I will send a fire upon Judah and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. So we see here prophecies of judgment against Judah and Israel. We see uh, the reference for three uh, and for four. That's just a way of communicating that there is uh, a list of transgressions. There's a number of transgressions that we're dealing with. Uh, God says that he will not turn away the punishment. Uh, Why does God punish? Uh, Because he is holy. He is a holy God and a God of justice. And listen, any system of justice, any good system of justice will punish wickedness. The prophecy specifically mentions lies which cause the people to err. Listen, God hates lies. He will judge those who lie and cause people to err. We see also judgment against greed, corruption, and oppression of the poor. Any system which is corrupt, which oppresses the poor, God will certainly judge. Let's move to our next highlight, chapter three. We're going to read verses seven, 10, and 14. 
Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Verse 10, for they do not know to do right, says the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. Verse 14, that in the day I punish Israel for their transgressions, I will also visit destruction on the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. So here we see God uh, speaking concerning Israel. Uh, We see God making the case that his people cannot expect for him to dwell with them uh, if they are embracing wickedness, uh, which is against the very nature of God. Two cannot walk together when they do not agree. Yet many people today want God's blessings. They speak of God. They invoke the presence of God. They will even go to church. Uh, They will ask God to bless their events and their milestones in life. Yet they have not committed themselves to following God. Listen, God will not rubber stamp whatever people decide to do. Also, God's servants should not rubber stamp whatever people decide to do. If men walk in wickedness, God's people must not join in with them. So who are you walking with today? Is there agreement with whom you fellowship? Is there compromise of values and principles? Verse 10 and 14 show the injustice of violence and robbery and of judgment from God. God sees every conduct of man, every action taken by man. Proverbs 15 verse 3. And God will bring it to light. Mark chapter 4 verse 22. And he will judge it. Let's move to our next highlight. Chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 and then 11 through 12. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. So we see here, as we have seen throughout the Old Testament, uh, that God hates the oppression of the poor. Uh, It is not something we can ignore after reading and exploring God's word, book after book. A very sober verse here telling us, uh, as the King James Version says, prepare to meet thy God. Um, How prepared are you to meet God? Listen, it's one thing to meet mere men. Uh, It's one thing to meet people that seem important. We prepare for interviews. We prepare for presentations before crowds. We dress up and look nice before socially prominent and popular people. But the real question in life is, are you prepared to meet God? How do you meet a holy God that doesn't compromise his holiness? How do you meet this kind of God when every single person is sinful and depraved. The only way to meet God is to have the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ over our lives and in our lives. God was satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Therefore, it alone, that sacrifice alone, will suffice to cleanse our sin and allow us to appear before God with the righteousness of Christ. Let's move to our next highlight, chapter five. We're gonna read verses 14 through 15 and then 21 through 24. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. I hate, I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings 
and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened piece of offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. So we see here, even though chapter four is a sober warning to prepare to meet God, this chapter five gives instructions on how to prepare to meet God. Seek good, hate evil, love good, establish judgment. Uh, Listen, there is still a difference between good and evil. There is still a difference between good judgment and foolish conduct. Right is still right and wrong is still wrong. There are absolutes in life. There are standards in life because God, the creator of all things, has established them. What God hates is in verse 21. He hates hypocrisy, especially when it is in the form of false worship. God hates hypocritical acts which appear to be pious but are performed by men who really act unjustly and even wickedly. Matthew 23, 1-33 and Revelations 3, 14-22. Because of this hypocrisy, God would not listen even to their songs. Uh, what was the remedy? What did God want? God wanted them to get under the surface of the formal services and the display of outward piety uh, and to correct the injustice. For it doesn't matter how much you believe you're having a good time at church. If you're facilitating injustice, God is not enjoying your worship. God is not pleased with your worship. God wants us to put aside the complacency, the attitude of being at ease and just coasting, but to drive, uh, to drive the vehicle of justice and righteousness. Listen, God wants judgment and righteousness to flow as heavily and as purposefully as heavy waters flow. Water may appear to be soft and without power, but when it comes in unity and with force, it can move foundational structures. So whatever is wrong in this world in which we live, uh, we must embrace and speak judgment and righteousness. It may appear to be doing nothing at first, but as the people of God walk in unity, that word of judgment and conduct of righteousness will destroy what appears to be indestructible structures of evil in this world. So don't fear the evil in the land. Just practice judgment and righteousness. Let's move to our next highlight, chapter 7. We're going to read verses 10 through 17. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from their own land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah. There eat bread, and there prophesy. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is the royal residence. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not spout against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Your wife shall be a harlot in the city, your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, your land shall be divided by survey line, uh, you shall die in a 
defiled land and Israel shall surely be led away captive from his own land. Uh, so we see uh, the opposition to Amos uh, by the priest Amaziah. Listen, it's not everyone that's called a priest that is righteous. Some will oppose the work of God. Even the enemy of our soul, the devil himself, can be transformed to appear as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. So Amos, the servant of God, had opposition not just from the king, but also the quote-unquote prophets. Listen, when you do the work of the Lord, be prepared to have opposition on several fronts, on several sides. It's not just the world that may oppose you, but many who call themselves children of God. Uh, the words of Amaziah showed the impact of Amos. Uh, his words were considered intolerable. Uh, listen, when the Lord has infused you with the fire of his pure and his divine truth, your words will not be bearable by this unrighteous world. Pure, unadulterated truth from God will not be tolerated by this generation. They would rather eliminate the servant of God rather than hear the pure and divine truth. Oh, for ministers that would carry the testimony of God in such a way that the land is not able to bear all the words. Amos was told to leave and not to speak anymore. Amos was certainly not popular. By the measure of ministry today, most would call his ministry a failure, and yet he fulfilled God's mission for his life. Listen, at some point, we must choose who we will serve in ministry, God or people. God or this world? By whose barometer will we measure the success of ministry? God's eternal barometer or man's flimsy temporary barometer, which is defective, broken, and tainted? Listen, lack of popularity with this world should be worn as a badge of courage, spiritually speaking. Uh, see also James chapter 4 and verse 4. So what was Amos's response? The response of many today in the face of accusations by the world is to apologize or to recant their words or to withdraw from service. But amid flagrant orders, Amos increases the intensity of his words because they are actually God's words. And listen, you cannot threaten God Almighty. If we operate in our own strength, then we may give in to threats. But if we are operating through and energized by the power and unction of God Almighty, the Lord of heaven's armies, then there is no human words which can threaten, undo, or thwart the power and flow of God's words. When men assail the righteous, the power of God will cause the righteous not to so much take a defensive position, uh, but to offensively move forward, warring against all that is sinister and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We also see that Amos did not forget his humble beginning and the mercy and grace of God in using him. Uh, this was just like David, who remembered his humble beginnings of being chosen and appointed by God. Second Samuel chapter six, verse 21. So regardless of where you are blessed to be in life, never forget where God has brought you from. Let it keep your feet on stable ground but let it also empower you to excel to God's divine destiny for your life. Let's move to our next highlight, chapter eight. We're gonna read verses four and then eight through 12. Hear this, you who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fail. Shall the land not tremble for this? And everyone mourn who dwells in it, all of it shall swell like the river, heave and subside like the river of Egypt. 
And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourning for an only son and its end like a bitter day. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. So here we see a more reference to God's opposition to the oppression of the poor. We see God's judgment upon men. One judgment will be a famine or lack of the word of God. Listen, there will come a time when God's word, the unadulterated word, will not be preached anymore. Uh, Sadly, this is the case in certain places today. Words are being spoken. Often people are leaving shouting and elated, uh, but it was not the word of God that was delivered and lives will not be spiritually changed since only the word of God is alive and powerful and capable of changing the human soul. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. So don't take the Bible for granted. Pick it up. Read it every day for the time will come when the Bible may no longer be allowed to be sold in stores. Let's move to our final highlight, chapter nine. Uh, We're going to be reading verses five, eight through 11 and 13 through 15. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts and all who dwell there mourn. All of it shall swell like the river and subside like the river of Egypt. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are on a sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Yet I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all nations, as grain is sifted in a sieve, uh, yet not the smallest grain shall fall uh, to the ground. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say the calamity shall not overtake nor confront us. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. So we see here a reference to God as sovereign creator. We also see God's intention of destroying the kingdom of sin. God will judge his people without utterly destroying them, but he will destroy sin from the earth. The reference to the raising up of the tabernacle of David, the restoration of Israel in the time of peace, finds its ultimate fulfillment in the millennium. Uh, Listen, uh, we see again here that God is just and God is merciful. He will judge and destroy evil. However, he has made a way for all those who are in covenant with him to escape judgment, for all those that seek him and commit to him and put their trust in him to escape judgment. For he has not appointed his people to wrath. He has not appointed those that trust in him to wrath. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse nine. May all who hear God's word embrace and receive his mercy and thereby be saved from damnation. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you that although you judge evil and injustice, you have made a way for sinful man to escape judgment and to experience life and peace through Jesus Christ. We pray that all who hear your word will embrace Christ and thus experience deliverance from the judgment that is to come upon this world. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.